after being an uh, starting chapter uh, organizer with Nelson, who is today the security director of Activion, uh, and this is um, Freddy Garcia, starting here to finish this, this year and uh, for the last year of this really nice and fun um, structure. What is capture uh, of you? Uh, um, it's nice to to make uh, say that the that you follow my my activities. Uh, well, the I got to work or work uh, on hormones reciprocals from the neuroscientific literature in peer reciprocity, which came from neuroethics. It's a uh, part of our project uh, that is. Uh, directed by Abela Cortina and Emilio García Maza in the universities of Valencia and Castellón in Spain. And the title of the uh, project we are, we are working is Policies, Systems, and Limitations to Mapping uh, Neuroethics. Well, uh, this is my topic and it is one of the topics that we are working on. From various disciplines, especially the economics, especially the economic and political ones, regulation has been seen as the single motivational factor of human conduct. Yet as uh, 1950s, the application of conventional evolutionary and neuronal game theory to study human behavior has allowed us to research the motivational heterogeneity behind the various social interaction processes. These studies have already allowed the limitation of the rationality <coughs> concept behind that which we define it as. Yet we consider the neuroeconomic uh, studies have unveiled this limitation, most clearly, an aspect that is presented in the first part. Moreover, they force theoretical neuroethics to point out horizons from which this knowledge is considered to be able to guide education and human relations by looking at the epigenetic footprint influence in order to reinforce cordial reciprocity that is the uh, proposal that we have here. Then I move to the first part. Uh, neuroscientific studies in the neuroeconomic domain and its reciprocity concepts. Uh, well, as, uh, as work are by Suzuki and colleagues in 2011, cooperation among genetically and related individuals is a fundamental aspect of society but it has been lost standing also in biological and social sciences, end of the quote. Co accordingly, neuroscientists are contributing relevant data about the possibility of human cooperation. Let's consider that cooperation in the animal kingdom possesses a distinctive trait which makes it unique. The capacity that human beings have of establishing and avoiding the social norms, as Bert and Pittsburgh show us, and Tomasello, among other important things, by clarifying the neuronal correlates of reciprocity. Several works along these lines exist, and I just uh, go to work with um, four that uh, you can see here that are related with the neural basis cooperation, direct and indirect uh, reciprocity, and with two that are uh, working on altruistic phenomena. Taking into account these uh, six 
work, everything work more, more, most of them. We should uh, say that uh, human being, uh, or they, this work shows, shows us that human beings are predisposed to cooperate. Yes, when we set a free rider, our brain boycotts this natural inclination to relate with fellow humans to meet commonly beneficial objectives by diminishing the implied motivation. Therefore, cooperation is conditioned by our knowledge about the behavior of possible collaboration. This interesting and revealing study, however, focuses on reciprocal aggression or discourtizing conduct. Conduct that begins by cooperating and then repeats the other person behavior, especially in direct reciprocity too. An action that consists in cooperating with those who show a similar predisposition to earn a good reputation as reciprocators, which allows them to be included in future relations processes. Nevertheless, the paths that uh, human cooperation take are diverse and do not respond only to those to behavior facility. In this sense, several things strongly draw our attention. On the one hand, disactivation or disactivation of inhibition, the motivation that is related with cooperation is related with a kind of cooperation that is also found in some animal species, but has nothing to do with other forms which, like strong reciprocity, institutional reciprocity, solidarity reciprocity, or transitive reciprocity, he mentioned here. On the other hand, although this work talks about the basic, neural basis, like for example, the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, or the uh, importance of the caudal, and so on, um, they show that these forms are activated because we are making noise linked to social interaction. There is no information, any kind of information about the exact content of this noise, how they are built, and what confers their motivational strength to cooperate as an initiative action beyond making or not making a possible monetary or not, or, and or social profit. As Samuel Bowles uh, argued in the recent book, Moral Economy, good incentives cannot substitute good citizens. So material actors can lie behind such behaviors, but they should be moral actors. <coughs> well, we can explain from these works, uh, or the conclusion that we can reach, is that by using the game theory and brain activity images, neuroeconomy has empirically demonstrated the human capacity to reciprocate for a matter that is not merely self-interest, this is true. That it has underlined the key role that feelings and pro-social emotions play in all rational decision-making processes, which implies some interaction with fellow human beings. Accordingly, it shows that players tend to establish cooperative relations based on reciprocity to foster their purposes and to permit those who do not use such <coughs> social norms which is linked to the emotions and emanate from judgments made about what is good and unfair. So it can be stated that the neuronal game theory 
first enabled the, the statement that human beings' comprehension as a maximization of material utilities promoted by human beings own egoistic interest is a fallacy. And it is necessary to widen the margin of comprehending rationality on at least three fronts. Feelings and emotions, optimum beneficial, beneficial equilibrium toehold intangible resources such as trust, reciprocity, and reputation. And finally, reciprocity as a condition to the possibility to establish collaborative interpersonal relations. This is, or this moves to our second part. Because uh, the question is extending the rationality concept, but not from the neuroscientific uh, background, but from the philosophical neuroethics. The task of neuroscience of ethics or theoretical neuroethics involves analyzing neuroscience based on the idea of a successful science as a starting point to study subjects that the brain may have unforeseen consequences as far as human beings knowledge and their capacity to act morally and control. There, from neuroethics, it is worth analyzing if the reciprocity concept that neuroeconomic studies offers is capable of providing information about the foundation of human cooperation. We must bear in mind that neuroethics has made considerable progress in explaining the neural basis that intervenes in managing and processing the relations establishing human reciprocity link to moral questions. However, these relations cannot be explained exclusively in neurophysiological terms, but also require knowledge about emotions and feelings about intangible resources that we are shown. The difficulty lies in exploiting the foundation of reciprocity. Why we reciprocate. What is even more difficult is why must we reciprocate not only with those who are close to us or family, but also with strangers and the unknown. In this domain, neuroscience are silent and need neuroethical frames of a philosophical orientation because the basis do not offer guidelines and knowledge on, on reciprocity. Why do we reciprocate or perform altruistic handling? From the socio-biological field, the question was already defined by Darwin in uh, 1989, uh, as a paradox of what he termed the biological drifting paradox, and which de defined, he defined as the behavior in which an individual invests one's own resources to favor another person's adaptation. When examining this paradox, Darwin indicated one reason, which is selection of a species given its antinatural nature. <coughs> Years later, Hamilton explained to be thinking adjusting. Nevertheless, neither the bio biological explanation nor thinking could explain all the altruistic actions that human beings are capable of performing. This was why the pioneering studies in this field, Shivers, led to what is known as reciprocal altruism. However, these studies were unable to provide an explanation of cooperation, behavior during which single action, single interaction, 
six days between classes, and members have no family connections. Faced with this situation, in 1987, Alexander Trecorte engaged the philosophy that implies the reputation and impeccable resources. This was, um, uh, nevertheless, well, uh, Alexander, this explanation comes undone when Jews displaying altruistic conduct in large groups. And then Alexander only uh, works uh, perfectly in, 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 war, in, in, in iterative uh, interactions. This was the object of the study of Ferenc Hitler, uh, who centered exclusively on human altruism, because as they point out, altruism is human beings is much stronger, which is why they found strong reciprocity. A strong reciprocity that is a combination in, in theme, in this strong reciprocity, which is altruistic rewarding, not abiding behaviors and altruistic punishments. Cooperator behaviors are explained from strong reciprocity in cases in which interaction is not positive, and where there is no possibility of earning a reputation. However, the reciprocator will attempt to reward whoever cooperates and will punish whoever does not, even if the reciprocator might suffer some loss. The reciprocator understands that in this way, the binding or is defended for all. Thus, punishment is motivated more by trying to maintain an or about justice and equality of the result rather than calculating personal rewards, either uh, an immediate reward or as retribution. So what comes over as being unique in human beings, cooperation, cooperation is the capacity to establish and force keeping to social norms, which we mentioned at the beginning. Thus, in the case when we look at the question, we must uh, ask why I reciprocate, the answer suggests is, is it not only that we are biological to this cause, but also because we breathe, we breathe to mankind the social contract with our fellow humans and those close to us. Nonetheless, several scientific studies about common reciprocants appear to lead us to mutualism, contractualism, or to the maximum calculation of material or non-material goods. Most sophisticated neuroscientific studies have not managed to provide an answer about the foundation of some of the most complex norms present in moral terms. For example, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights or the Secular Religious Ethics proposed of minimum relevance uh, as Cortina the explanation for this discourse lies, as we are working in the project, in the need to understand cooperation from the foundation of reciprocal recognition. There are a sense of justice and equality, but from the reciprocal recognition that takes place in communicative human relations, which is and has been the foundation used by the discourse draft by Jürgen Habermas and Carl Otto Appel in the 70s. So I quote Cortina, neither reciprocal altruism nor strong reciprocity suffices, but it is necessary 
Hexamine is rational and simple structure of reciprocal recognition in the endosperm. Well, the role of the um, um, of the re reciprocal recognition we can find it in the and trust in order to unfold. 
These aspects cannot be explained only from describing the neural biases <coughs> that make it possible, but from the reference of the normative frame that guides such concepts, and that we find or we propose using from a reciprocal recognition. And thank you so much.